Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. We are Kim, Marcy, and Katie. We are three women on one mission. We are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence, build strength, and ditch feelings of unworthiness. So grab your chair, come sit at our table, and let's talk. Hello and welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. Hi. I'm your host today, Kim Schlag, and with me I have Katie Crocus and Marcy Nevin. Hi, ladies. Hey there. How you doing? Good. How was everybody's holiday weekend? It ended up being great. I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I had no plans. Well, I had no plans, and I thought I was just going to be sitting at home on my couch because I had a massive amount of work to do. And, and I'm not a big Memorial Day celebrator. I don't think that I've ever actually like done and gone and done something that exciting. Summer is not my favorite month. So I was like, eh, it's fine, whatever. And then on Sunday morning, I get a very last minute invite. Hey, do you want to go to Tahoe? And I was like, and so my brain starts going through all the excuses of why I shouldn't go. Oh, I had my workout scheduled for later. I have all of this work to do, you know, but I was like, yes, yes, I do want to go. Can you give me until one o'clock? <laughs> and nice. yeah, he's like, sure. So I went and I got my leg workout in and I did say, I'm going to have to be working most of the time, which that's what ended up happening. Um, but still just nice to be able to do client check-ins and create content at the pool rather than on my couch. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite yeah. place. Like, Tahoe has become my absolute favorite place to go. So that was really nice. Well, lovely. How far away is that from you? It's about three and a half hours. Okay. So that's a nice. Thing. And you know, but a holiday weekend with all the traffic usually. So we actually, you know, we went up on Sunday where I think most people would have gone up on Friday mm-hmm. and then maybe come home on Sunday or Monday morning. So we beat the traffic both ways, which is great. Well, that's fantastic. Traffic. Yes. So I'm going to pry. Is this one of your gentleman friends or is this? Oh, Lord. (laughs) I like to live vicariously through you. (laughs) This is important. Yes. Well, and if you watched my stories, like you would know, I was so. I watched your stories. I I didn't see any people in your stories. I just saw beauty. There were no people. (laughs) No, there was a very, um, he made a, a brief entrance when we were in the hotel room. Like he was walking out onto the balcony. I missed it. (laughs) Yeah. So of course I'm getting messages from people like, oh, you're still hanging out with him, huh? (laughs) Um, But yeah, I know the the guy that I've been seeing for eight or nine months now. And this was the guy you actually knew from before, right? Like you knew him a long time ago. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So same guy. So we, yeah, he loves Tahoe and he has a hookup at the Hard Rock, which is really nice. So we can just call last minute and they get us a room. They get us a dinner at the steakhouse. <laughs> so it's perfect. Well, that's yeah. great. So, quick trip, but nice to get away. Katie, what did you do? We ended up going to the lake as well. And it was, Marcy, much, I'm like you, where I, I have stuff to do. And I really was looking forward to these days to do it. We are leaving for Colorado on Wednesday as a family. We're driving out from Wisconsin. It's about a 14 hour drive. We're going to stay there between like 10 and 14 days. And I get stressed about packing up for a family of five. And, you know, everyone's pretty independent in my family, but still, like I give them a list of all the things they need. And there's exactly 0% chance that that they will get (laughs) remotely close to it. So I'm learning to let go. But I was like, part of the weekend is going to be double checking everybody's stuff. And so when we got an invite to go to our friend's lake house, I like, I felt all the resistance and I was like, oh no, I need more time. I need to do this. And finally, my husband was like, either you're going, you're not, like, we're leaving without, with or without you, we're getting in this car and we're going. You need to stay behind for your well-being and for the well-being for the rest of us, so be it. And I was like, no, I'm going. And it was one of those situations where it was like, why wouldn't I go? Like you get there and you see the water and you let go and you're with friends. And it's like, this is what it's all about. Not like constantly trying to do something today to make tomorrow easier like that's cool five days a week but it's nice to let go and it's always a good reminder that i'm never going to regret doing something fun with my family ever oh that's great we do yeah weekend nice well we had zero plans um (laughs) purposely which i was really happy about um 
we just have a busy bunch of time. I talked about this last time coming up with party, like we're hosting this big party. So we were just kind of doing a little bit of yard work, buying flowers. And then the big thing I did was I decided I did not know if it was going to work out, but my friends are going on this trip to the Grand Canyon to hike rim to rim. And the dates ended up working out. There was a chance they were going to be going when I was in Miami watching Harry Styles' concert. And I wasn't giving up those tickets. So, so when they came back and said they weren't going that weekend, I was in for this big trip. And so what I did yesterday was this little pretest that I had found. I've been looking like, what do you really need to do to train to walk, hike from one rim to the other in one day? So we're doing it in one day. We're not doing the like stop in the night and like, like camp and then go out the next day. We're doing all 23 and a half miles in one fell swoop. I've never hiked that far. Um, and you had to be pretty fast. So I was a little bit nervous. So I was looking around about like, what kind of shape do you need to be in? Found this one guy who's into hiking. He's like, if you want to even think about starting a training program for this, like literally to start training for it, you should be able to do 400 step ups on a 15 to eight inch step in 30 minutes. And so that's what I did yesterday. And uh, it sounded painful. It wasn't that bad. Was it like one step per leg, right? 400 steps per leg. So, okay. So 800 total. No, no. What, did, what am I saying? No, no, no. Not 400 per leg. No, 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 no. Just 400. It's like up, up, down, down. One. No. So no, it was not 800 total. So it's not like okay. I did left side, right? No. Um, and today my calves really hurt, but otherwise it's fine. I wasn't sure when I heard it. I'm like, that just sounds awful. That doesn't even sound like fun. But I was like, I got that. Like I could do that. I was like, like I could do that. 30 minutes. I thought I would be a lot faster than I was, but I got done in 22 minutes, 26 minutes, 22 minutes. I got done in 22 minutes. So I had plenty of time left. So I was like, all right, good. I feel like I can do this trip. Like, get ready for it. But um, it reminded me, like, I don't know why people like step classes, like aerobic classes. No. Like, I know that was a big thing. I'm like. I realize there's more music and you do more than just up and down, but that's not fun. Oh, oh, I, that's funny you say that because step class is how I got my entry into fitness. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was, I was a big stepper. My mom and I. I did too, but I never, I just always thought like I had to like it. And so I pretended to like it. (laughs) I was like all about the choreography, you know, like flipping over the step and just being fancy about it. So yeah. Did you do jazzercise too? Like, is that kind of the same animal? No, no. I didn't do jazzercise. Um, that didn't involve a step. I did more like the videos where they have a step and you like, you go to the corner and you step up and you step down and you go up and over the side with like Tammy Lee Webb and stuff. That was what I did in the firm and that kind of stuff. I was firm. I was actually yeah, Marcy's jam. Oh yeah. Those little, two little plastic steps. Yeah. Yeah. So what I was reminded is, yep, hate step classes. And, um, <laughs> but my legs feel good today, except for my calves. So quick question for you, Kim. So it's 20 something miles, rim to rim. 23 and a half. And so basically almost a marathon. Almost a marathon. But, and but the last like nine miles are straight up. Are they really straight up? Yeah. That's what like I was going to ask. So we're going to start, we're going to go, you, we're going to start at the North. You go down the North. I don't even have to say the word right. So I just barely got into the plan. You go down the North Kaibab trail and then you go across and then you go up. And that's the better way to do it. Cause if you go up the South rim, you're actually going up less than if you go the other way. So we're doing it the smart way, but it's still, it's the last whole bunch. I don't even know. Did I say right? Nine, nine, six. I know a whole bunch of miles at the end are just up. Um, oh, nice. So, and they, they will have switchbacks. So it's not going to be straight up. Marcy and I did a hike. It's not going to be straight up like that. It's going to be switchbacks, but it's still, it's just going uphill at the end after you've already hiked all day in the heat. And that's the other thing, even in the fall, hundred degrees at the bottom. I was going to oh say, my. what's the temperature going to be like, Kim? Yeah. So <laughs> from what I hear at the top, when we start, cause we'll start in the dark, it's going to be cold, like forties and dark and you start in the dark. And then as you get lower, you, it, get hot, it gets hot. And at the bottom, it's like hundred degrees. Um, so I don't know. I'm my daughter. We've been watching YouTube videos about it as I was contemplating whether I was going to be able to do this. And we watched it. She turned to me. She's like, so this is your idea of fun. Right. <laughs> I like, Cause I was getting so excited with like everything. She's like, nothing about this says this is fun, mom. I don't want to do any of that. Oh, How my long God. is it going to take? Do you have any, any um, I've, I've read a lot of different things, 12 hours, 15 hours, somewhere around there. I mean, we'll see. I don't know how long, but somewhere 12 plus hours. You have to reach out to, I'm sure Alyssa Lennox has done it, right? She actually last ran it. Sometimes she, no, she did more. She did rim to rim to rim running. Of course she did. She oh my did. gosh. 
Uh, I saw her and her boyfriend did that. And I was like, that's crazy. So they ran from one rim to the other and back in a day. But they ran. I'm not going to run, guys. I'm not a runner. Oh, yeah. wow. I always watch her trips and I'm in awe. Uh, stuff like that. Yeah, no, I'm not going uh, there and back. Just there. Just, well, just I'm there. proud of you, Kimmy. That's very ambitious. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. Um, the person I'm going with is actually my doctor. <laughs> and so I feel like my health condition is going to be under control. She wouldn't have like invited me to come along if she thought I was not ready. Um, and look, if anything happens, my doctor's with me. <laughs> is it just the two of you? No, it's her and her sister were planning this trip. And then I, she was kind of telling me about it. And I was, I was kind of almost invited myself along. And then she's like, you can come. <laughs> and, um, and then her sister is bringing a friend, maybe two. And then another friend that we know here who hikes is going to come with us. There's going to be five or six of us, all women around my age. And yeah, we're really excited about it. I look forward to hearing about this training program. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I'm slightly scared. I'm going to be doing a lot of bleachers. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was in charge of that part, like the cardio conditioning and like, we just need to practice going up and coming down a lot. Mm -hmm. And yes. so like, we're going to do hiking to do that too. But like here, just where we live, we're going to do bleachers. Okay. And so I, I found a bunch of different hiking training plans. And the one I'm, I'm like, we're going to do this guys. Um, there, by the end, there's two sessions where we're doing it for 90 minutes. Oh, just up and down the bleachers, 90 minutes. Hey, you're close to Philadelphia. Do those stairs that, that. Oh, we can go down to the Rocky stairs. That would make it more fun. We should totally do that. Yes. Maybe I'll do that for like my 90 minute one. That would be way more fun than the high school stadium. Cause that's what I'm aiming for. That's a great idea, Katie. You're helpful. That's what we'll do. We'll make it a little outing. Well, look, we actually do have some actual nutrition things to talk about today. We're not, we're not just going to talk about our weekend plans. So today we're going to be talking about macro counting mistakes that you might be making and what to do to fix them. So before we talk about the mistakes, let's just kind of talk about macro tracking, macro counting generally, because there are different versions of it. Why don't one of you ladies kind of talk through how you approach it with yourself and your clients? Katie, let's start with you. So with my clients, I always like to target a range. I certainly like to begin with targeting a range because I think until you are really deep in the funnel, so to speak, and at that mm, last three to five pounds, there is a little bit of latitude with tracking because let's be honest, it's almost impossible to get exact spot on surgical precision because listen, like every chicken that walked the earth did not have the same like macro breakdown in its breast. Like we have to be reasonable about things. And so for that reason, I like to take a look at numbers as saying plus or minus 10 on protein and carbs, plus or minus three on fat, is an A plus day. That is absolutely getting the green check mark for the day. So that's how I generally approach targeting macros with my clients um, when we're looking at breaking down protein, carbs, and fat. But then also calories are king, but protein is queen. So if you only can do one thing, you want to hit your calories. If you can only do two things, you want to hit your calories and your protein. And truthfully, as far as I'm concerned, I will stand by this forever. Carbs and fat are lifestyle specific, preferential, don't make a difference, and trying to fit yourself into someone else's definition of what proper carbs and fat are is a recipe for disaster. So it's really kind of important to understand your own goals, your own training, having a coach, someone who can guide you to really sort of optimize, but understand that there is a little bit of latitude. Love that, Katie. That was fantastic. Marcy, how about you? Yeah, very well said. I'm very similar to Carrie or to Katie in that regard. Uh, I'm a little bit more, I guess, surgical when it comes to the accuracy. So three grams either way with fat, and I'm I prefer closer to five with protein and carbs. But I mean, ten is fine too. Absolutely, that's just usually the recommendation that I get. And I will be honest, most clients don't hit that, and they still <laughs> get results. Well, for a second, I was like, wow, your clients are really good. If that's what oh, they're no. doing, <laughs> like oh, my no. clients are not I mean, that good. I have, I have had clients in the past who like nail their macros, uh, but the majority, I would say 95% are, are not hitting them to the dot. And again, they still make great progress. So I probably need to update my nutrition guidelines document. Um, and then similar to Katie as well, I give people the option. And right now, the majority of my clients are fairly new to macro tracking. So I don't want to overwhelm them. And I will offer these protein and calorie only option. Most people 
do take that. And then if they really want to, then we can do all three. Um, and sometimes what will happen is they start with the protein and calorie only goal. And then they actually come to me and say, oh, I think I'm ready to track all three. They feel like it's almost easier to do so because like there's a little bit more structure to it. So I think it just depends on the person, depends on how that person's brain works. You know, I probably would go crazy if I had a protein and calorie only goal. Like I want to know exactly what my numbers need to be, but that's just me. You know, I'm a little bit more, for lack of a better word, OCD about it, I guess. Uh, and then, you know, the other thing, and that's, this isn't so much tracking macros, but calories throughout the course of the week is the the cycling of those calories. So again, beginners, I will typically start them off with tracking the same amount every day. And then after a couple of weeks, maybe we move that to, you have a little bit of a lower target Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday or Saturday, Sunday, calories come up a bit to allow for some more freedom and flexibility over the weekends. Um, I know there are other ways to do it too. Like I'll just talk about my current program because I mentioned this in my stories yesterday. And this is not what I would recommend most people do, but it's when you are getting to more of a, let's say like higher level physique goal, or I know Katie and I have both dealt with gut health issues. So right now with my coach, I'm working on cleaning up some gut things and then also optimizing my hormones. So I have a surplus week where I'm eating higher calories. And within that week, I have higher calorie days, lower calorie days. So on my training days, calories are higher from carbs. And then on off days, my calories are lower from carbs. And then I have my, what he calls deficit week. So total calories are a bit lower. And I think he's wanting to continue to bump my calories up, but he knows that because of how my mind works, <laughs> I don't want to just go all in right away. So he's like, this is going to be our way to do that. Like as cleanly as possible, which basically means like with as little fat gain as possible. So that's kind of what I'm doing, but yeah, I just, it really depends on the person, the specific goal, but for the majority of people listening, you can probably just get away with what I was saying in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, so the great thing is that we all take, we all have different approaches, similar, but different. Um, and they all work. Like we all have clients who are getting really great results. I don't have any clients who track all three macros, protein, carbs, and fats. I personally right now am. Um, and it was, a, I was kind of, I was happy to do it. The, the coach I hired, I knew that's how he approached it. And so I'm like, all right, I'll take this season and do it. I don't have my clients do it. Um, and I know as I'm doing it, sometimes I'll have a little bit of internal resistance and I'll be like, well, I know I'm supposed to get X number of grams of fat today, but I know very well if I traded that out for the carbs, like it'd be fine as long as I hit my total calories and protein. So I'm always like messing around with myself and my mind and being like, just stick to the plan. You hired this coach. Let's just, let's just do his plan. And that's my number one. That's my number one advice for anybody listening. If you hire your coach, like do their plan. Um, so I give protein goals and I give calorie goals and I do give ranges. So I don't give I don't give a single target and then say like a buffer of three grams or five grams or 10 grams. I give a pretty big range. And so um, maybe their range is usually for protein, it's 0.72 times their body to one times their body. And so that's, that's their range. And as long as they hit anywhere in there, and I will say it's still with a lot of women, it's hard to get them up even to that low end at the beginning. And so when I notice that I immediately say, your goal is now 100 grams. We're going to get you solidly to hundred grams. Once we get you to hundred grams, we'll talk about how we're going to move you up there. That's a big hurdle for a lot of people getting up there and calories. Same way. I give a range somewhere, 50 calories to hundred. Usually it's hundred calories. And I um, give recommendations to clients when they start with me, whether I think they'd be a good fit for calorie cycling or not. Um, you know, I ask them some questions and kind of see more of my clients than not do choose to calorie cycle because they want to have some days where it's easier to get in a drink or a piece of cake or those kinds of things. Um, and I don't tell them which days those have to be. I give them two suggestions of how to figure it out. And, you know, we kind of talk about what might be best for them. One is if they do a lot of, you know, things like running or long rides, or I have one woman who like paddles 25 miles um, for uh, in a kayak. So if they're doing something like that, we might have them have their higher calorie days on those days. 
Um, for other people, it really works well socially. Like you can use, you have three higher days. I want you to know on a Sunday, which three days they're going to be. So it's not just by default, oops, I ate too much. Right. So they can look and say like, okay, I have a work lunch on Thursday and I'm going out to dinner on Saturday. So they can kind of do it um, per their social calendar. So those are the guidelines I typically give it's calories, it's protein. We can calorie cycle or do straight deficit. Um, and it all works. So Kim, let me ask you this. When, when you give your clients a range and say this protein number and this calorie number, how do you account for the inconsistencies that an app like MyFitnessPal inherently has? Like when you, when they, when they are rounding things up and down and you can be up as much as, you know, you can be in the red 200 calories, but still totally spot on with your macros and vice versa. How do you account for that when you don't have the fat and carb targets? You know what? It's all just estimates and we go based on results. And if we're not seeing good results, we have to tweak something. And so sometimes I'll say like, Hey, like, let me look at your logs. Let's see like what could be going on. Um, yeah. So I take it on a case by case basis. Most of the time it just works out. And with the ranges I give them, they, they lose weight at a pretty good clip for those who are struggling. We start looking and seeing like, okay, what might be the issue here? Like mm -hmm. where, you know, is there something funky about your log? Is there like something that you eat all the time and the macros on the package are totally off and like, we're not accounting for that. Um, more often than not, it just works out. Yeah. So I'm going to go from there with what you said about the packaging being incorrect because huh, can we talk about the built bar debacle? Yes, quite the scandal. <laughs> That is a scandal of all scandals, man. Uh, yeah, well, and because we are talking about macro tracking mistakes, this is one of the ones that I think, you know, we should start with, and it's a perfect segue with what you just said, Kim, because nutrition labels can be very inaccurate. So not only, like Katie said earlier, is there that loophole where the FDA will allow you to round either down or up. So that can throw off the calories. But again, going back to the built bar, the, the weight of the actual food can be completely different from what is listed on the label. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm very accurate when it comes to my macro tracking. Like I am kind of more of a scientist, very precise, but I was even taking for granted the convenience or packaged food items that I ate, like built bars. I did um, a story about this a couple of days ago when it comes to instant oatmeal. Like I started using instant oatmeal packets again. And maybe six months ago, I was like, I'm just gonna do a little experiment and see, is the oatmeal packet what it actually says on the box? So I start weighing all of my packets and it was off by some, eight grams. And that can be, I mean, so let's say 25 to 50 calories mm -hmm. right there. So if you are taking that at face value, maybe in one instance, it's not that big of a deal, but if you're doing it over the course of the day, so instant oatmeal packet here, built bar there, I'll get to that in a second. Maybe a couple of bites, licks and tastes that you're not accounting for there can be a hundred hundreds of calories that are going unaccounted for in your day, mm -hmm. you know? So again, going back to the built bar, um, there were multiple errors in that. So one, the calories on the label are not correct because they are not accounting for sugar alcohols and possibly even fiber. So the label says it's 130 calories. If you do the math and you add up all of the specific macros, it's closer to 160 calories. And then the bars are all different weights. So on the label, that was it says, the craziest part. To that me. was the craziest. Um, and my friend Eve, who is another, you know, macro scientist, she started weighing her bars one, because she was like, these bars taste way too good to be true. I don't think that the macros on the label are actually correct. I think that they're higher than this and they have different flavors. So there's a coconut almond, and then there's a a cherry that has, you know, chunks of oak or of almonds, chunks of coconut, chunks of cherries. How is that going to be the same amount of calories as a bar that doesn't have those chunks or like the cookie dough bar, the brownie chunk bar? Because yeah, they were all the same, correct? All the same, all the same. And it's like, are you not accounting for these chunks, which probably have quite a bit of calories in them? Um, so that was one issue. So I started weighing my built bars 
and one bar on the label says it's 49 grams. I was weighing some that were in the 60s. That's crazy. Yeah. And then it was brought to their attention that, hey, this is a problem. And they, you know, put out a statement saying they were trying to rectify it. We'll see if they do. I got a sample box for a new flavor coming out. And I was like, let's see here. (laughs) Started weighing all my bars. Nope. All different numbers. All different numbers still. (laughs) Yeah. And like the bars are like different shapes. It's like their quality control is complete crap. (laughs) So what do you think that people need to know about this kind of thing? Do you think this is more widespread? Do you think a lot of like convenience items are like this? Any action items you would give people for this? Uh, yeah, I think that it is pretty standard and I would say action, don't get neurotic about it, but like you said, Kim, if progress is stalled, then maybe it's something that you look at. Perhaps mm. you don't have to do it because we talked about this on our last episode, maintenance deficit, it's all a range, you know? So the deficit that you have set for yourself, that your coach has set for yourself, it's not like if you go, you know, five calories above that, oh, you're out of the deficit. There is still a range. But like I said earlier, if you are doing this over the course of multiple meals per day, over the course of the week, that's when the calories can really add up. So if you notice that progress is stalling, not just on the scale, but all measures of progress, and you're like, well, I feel like I'm hitting my macros and you are being honest, by the way, that you are being consistent and there's still um, something that seems off, then perhaps you would uh, try something like this. Like again, going back to Eve, she's like, I've been in a deficit and nailing everything, but I'm having two built bars a day and my progress is not what it should be right now. Mm. That's so interesting that you said that Marcy, because I was about to build on that exact thought before you even said it. And, and that is, I think Kim, you nailed it when you said convenience foods, because that's, that's the Achilles heel in all of this. If you are measuring and weighing oats from like a large container, you can easily get your 40 grams of oats that, equal, not really a half cup, even though it says a half cup, um, and get your accurate macros and your 150 calories and a really solid level of precision, as opposed to someone who's eating multiple, a built Bar, a Kodiak cup, um, you know, protein powder, treats, that kind of stuff that is measured somewhere else. I've never had that issue because the majority of my intake comes from things that I'm preparing and making myself. And I think so to me, when I think, oh my gosh, people are weighing their, their wraps or weighing their bars or weighing their, their, I mean, even like Marcy, like you said, like your oats out of, like, I would never think to do that, but that's probably because I don't have a lot of packaged items in my day. Um, if you're relying on that heavily, I do think that you need to be more precise about it if you're looking for progress. But if you're primarily weighing and measuring individual single ingredient foods, you're not gonna run into that problem. Yeah, that's a really, really good point, Katie. And then Katie started to hit on um, another really big mistake people make, which is, and she was talking about the oats here, and that is measuring your foods with measuring cups or even one step back from that, eyeballing your foods. If you are doing one of those two things and not getting the progress you want, I cannot recommend highly enough weighing your food. It really does make a difference. Um you know, if you're thinking about things like peanut butter, if you're trying to measure that with a tablespoon versus using it on a food scale, it's going to be different. Um, oatmeal. That's when I see when I, I used to just be a person who'd like scoop out my oatmeal. It's not, it's like, damn, like you're, I'm showing you, like you're watching me guys. <laughs> it's down. It's you. If you think a half a cup of oatmeal is level with the scoop, it's not. Half it's certainly not a rounded scoop. <laughs> it's not yeah. even a level scoop. It's down. Um, so it's weigh. closer to a third of a cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you want to weigh that. Um, and one of the ways that I like to help people to not feel obsessive about using a food scale is to really think about it in terms of, I want to get all that I can here. So we want to make sure like that you're getting, if you're like having cheese, it still always shocks me. Like an ounce of cheese. If I was eyeballing an ounce of cheese back in the day, like I would have thought like that it was less. And so when I actually slice out of an ounce of cheese and weigh it, I'm like, I'm pretty happy. Like that's a pretty good amount of cheese. Um, so really kind of think of it in terms of like, I'm weighing my food so I can get all the things I need. I want to get all the oats I can. I want to get all the cheese I can, whatever the thing is. 
if you're like, I really have a lot of resistance towards weighing, that I would suggest if you're going to weigh one thing, make it be your fat sources, weigh your fat sources, weigh your nuts, your nut butters, your oils, weigh those things. Um, if you're still not making good enough progress, start weighing other things like, you know, weigh your carbs, weigh your proteins. Yeah. Even someone like, you know, myself who has been tracking for a very, very long time and can get pretty close, uh, when I'm just trying to guesstimate as to what the actual portion size is, there are some things that I'm way off on. So I went out of town a couple of weeks ago and I was very hungry and I found this bag of, it was like roasted chickpeas, delicious by the way, super hyper palatable. And so I start eating them straight from the bag, you know, knowing that, okay, especially in a hungry moment, probably not the best idea. And then the next, I had actually brought my food scale with me. I just decided in that moment not to use it. So the next day I had them again. And this time I decided, oh, I'm going to actually weigh out what a serving size is. Oh my gosh. Mm. Like so, so much less than Mm -hmm. I thought. And I probably had three serving sizes the day before. Yeah, it's important. It really is important to weigh and measure it. So it's a good one. Katie, can we talk about- can we talk about in terms of weighing and measuring when to weigh and measure our foods in terms of cooked versus raw? Because I feel like it's important to mention that the nutrient breakdown that you see on the label is generally for the way the food is distributed. So if it's frozen, it's frozen. If it's raw, it's raw. So if you are accounting for it once you've cooked it, that's going to be a problem too. Mm-hmm. This is a big one. This is a big mistake people make. They weigh their chicken one way and log it another way or their rice, they log it mm-hmm. one way and they weigh it another. So Katie, tell, tell people what the best way to do and what a good way is. Like what well, should- I would, in terms of the, the easiest, like I'm just getting started into macro tracking. I wanna make this as painless as possible. If you are eating chicken breast and it's cooked, look for an entry in my fitness pal that says chicken breast cooked, like log it as you're eating it. That is the easiest way to do it. In the beginning, start there. I personally always like to look for a search um, with USDA and G. That's that's my go-to. That way I know that at least someone has pulled the information from a more reputable source. You can also look for that little green check because my fitness pal is crowdsourced. Anyone can put anything in there, but if there's a little green check next to it, it means at least someone's verified it. It still might not be perfect, but if you are specifically targeting a description for how you're going to consume it, that's your best way to start. Um, however, again, like as you get deeper deeper and in, in, into the funnel or maybe you're stalling out, the, if you are trying to get the most accurate entry, you want to weigh and measure and enter the raw portion, raw everything, raw rice, raw chicken, um, call it like even your, your, your vegetables, like your frozen rice cauliflower, like it is all, The way it's listed on the package is the way that it actually exists. So whether you cook, however you cook it, whether you have extra moisture in there or you like cook the crap out of your meat and so it's just the shriveled little ball, it still has the same macros. It's just the moisture that's contributing to the weight. So that is why measuring it and weighing it raw and putting it in that way is is definitely the most accurate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I try to weigh things raw as often as I can it's easy for me. I don't do a whole lot of meal prep. I tend to just like cook on the go. Mm. Uh, so that does make it easier. I know that not everybody can do that. So if you're listening to this and freaking out, you know, take a deep breath, take a step back. Like, yes, Wayne raw is going to be the best, but if you can't do that, just be consistent with your, with the method that you choose. Mm-hmm. But like Katie said, and that is a really great point that I was going to, I was going to bring up if you didn't is people like their meats, especially cooked at different temperatures. So, or to different donenesses, right? Like I got a piece of salmon (laughs) at the steakhouse on, on Sunday night, that was pretty much like still raw. And I do not like salmon like that. Like I like it cooked. So had I weighed that out, it was going to be much, uh, it was going to be a higher amount than if, if I had cooked it myself probably by at least an ounce or two. And I did a post about this that same night, why portion size is important. Mm -hmm. And the difference in one ounce of 
salmon, I think is, oh, let me see, 175 calories uh, for three ounces, 235 calories for four ounces. Mm. That's the difference. Not so again, that. that's a fattier cut of meat, right? So like Kim were saying with uh, being more accurate with the fats for sure. But yeah, it all makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an important one. All right, Marcy, lay on us another one. What's another mistake people make? Okay, let me go back because this was a post that I did. I have them all, <laughs> all lined up here. So we talked about not using verified entries. Uh, wait, um, oh, another favorite, using generic serving sizes. So something that I will see in quite a food, quite a few food logs with clients is medium apple or small banana. Yeah, yeah, small banana. And it's like, okay, well, what even is a small banana? What is a large apple? And again, there are going to be discrepancies between the both. So two, you know, small apples are not going to be the exact same size. So there's always going to be a variety. varieties aren't going to be the same. Like Honeycrisp is like enormous and ton. You could get like 200 grams of, or you can get like, um, 50 grams of carbs in a Honeycrisp apple or like a little Gala apples like mm-hmm. are less. Yeah, it's really true. So nixing that, like don't find an entry for small banana, weigh your banana. I'm having 130 grams of banana. There's your medium banana. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. an important one. Um, okay, so one of the ones that um, I really like people to think about is how they actually track. So there's a really effective way to track. There's a less effective way to track. And there's a really less effective way to track. And a lot of people, when they start, tend to that really less effective way to track, which is they look back over their day and track that, right? So like it's five o'clock, like, okay, what did I have for breakfast? Put it in, what did I have for lunch? The problem with that is we have food amnesia. You don't remember everything you put on your breakfast plate. You remember a lot of it, but you forget a bunch of it. You don't remember that you had the handful of nuts as you walked by your coworker's desk. Like you don't remember these things. You're not lying. You just don't remember them. And so doing this like kind of download at the end of the day, like what did I eat? That's the least effective way to track. It's better than not tracking at all. You're going to get a ballpark, but it's not going to be super accurate. More effective, but still not the best way is tracking as you go. So you make breakfast, you're eating breakfast, and right then you're inputting it. The reason I say it's not totally the most effective way is because it's very easy to get yourself into a situation late in the day where you have some enormous amount of protein and no carbs and fats left. Like, what are you eating? Like, that doesn't sound like <laughs> right. protein shakes for you, right? Like, that's all you get. And it's just, if you can put yourself in an uncomfortable position later in the day. Um, so that's a more effective way. You're going to be more accurate as you're literally putting into your log right then what you're eating. The most effective way, both from an enjoyment standpoint and from a, yes, I'm actually hitting my macro standpoint is to do it all ahead of time. This is mm-hmm. the thing my most successful clients do the yes. night before or the very latest, right? When you wake up in the morning, you put everything in your log that you're going to eat that day hitting your macros. So if you're supposed to get 130 grams of protein in, start with that. How are you getting in 130 grams of protein? What are you eating at breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a snack to get it in? Boom, it's in there. And then I tell my clients, after you put the protein in, put some vegetables in somewhere in that day. Like you got to get some vegetables in there, put a piece of fruit in there, and then split the rest up however you want. And if you're counting macros, you're going to have to take your fat and your carbs and those things. So, but do it ahead of time so that you can make all the decisions when you're not in the moment and you're not smelling cookies, right? You're doing this at a very detached time. Um, and you, it just makes it move so smoothly and so much more accurately. Yeah. I, I love that, Kim. Go ahead, Marcy. Oh yeah. No, I was just going to say that is definitely what I recommend to clients as well. Pre-log, pre-log. I mean, I say that until I'm blue in the face. It can take people <laughs> A little while to do it, you know, if there, if there's going to be a lot of resistance around it. And I'm not sure why that is. Even people who tend to eat the same things over and over again, there still is that resistance to logging ahead of time. So not sure. I have a couple of reasons. I've, I've pressed people about this a lot, Marcy. Like, what is the resistance? For some people, their resistance is like, I don't know what I'm going to be in the mood for. That's a big one. And my point is, we don't want you to eat just by what you're in the mood for. That's what's gotten you in this situation right now. Do you know how many times in a day, like I'm in the mood for a Reese cup guys? Like it happens a lot. Like I don't get it just because I'm in the mood for it and get the results I want. And Mm -hmm. so 
you can think the night before, like I want a Reese cup today. Or you're like, you know what? Like I really want to have chicken with some creamy sauce and I get to pick one and you can make those decisions detached. But for a lot of people, that's it. I don't know what I'm going to be in the mood for. That's a yeah. big one. And then the I other one to... is, oh, give me one second. Oh, no, the no, other no, one is that people say it makes me feel kind of restricted. And again, mm-hmm. my point to them is it doesn't have to feel restrictive. If you think like I can have anything I want tomorrow, what do I want? Mm-hmm. Well, two points to that one, I tend to tell people to pick their treats, the things that they're like, you know, nutritional non-negotiables when it comes to those foods that they really find satisfying that take the edge off that curb cravings, like the treat type foods that they think are bad. Oh, I feel guilty for eating this. And because I feel guilty for eating it and I don't want to admit that I did, I'm just going to pretend like it didn't happen and, mm-hmm. and not log it. So it's like, okay, log that thing ahead of time. So at yeah. least it's in there and now you can work backwards. Um, but also, you know, to your point about, oh, well, maybe I'm not in the mood for this. Okay, fine. You're not in the mood for it. But now you at least have like a skeleton, so to speak, yeah. mm-hmm. that you can make adjustments to. So I'll tell a quick story. My very first online coach, he did give me a meal plan, but we were able to make substitutions within that meal plan. And he had this awesome thing called the food substitution calculator, where you logged on to his you know, website. And let's say on my plan, I had three ounces of chicken. Well, I don't want three ounces of chicken. So I could type in chicken breast, three ounces, and a whole list of substitutions mm-hmm would come up, I would put in, you know, again, the three ounces, and then I knew how much I needed of that other thing. Mm-hmm. I still use that thing to this day. 10 years later, <laughs> I use his food substitution calculator. It's amazing. So yeah, it's like, you're not, it's not set in stone. This is why we call it flexible dieting. If you're right. using macros, it is flexible. So that's one. Um, and then the other thing too, like when it comes to like logging as you go, if you have a bite, lick, or taste of something, log it right then. Just account for it. You know, no shame, no guilt, but, uh, you know, a comment or a, a quote that I have, like, if you are going to track macros, do so consistently, not selectively. Don't just do it when you have been good mm-hmm. because that's not going to get you the results. And really, and you said this earlier uh, in the, the podcast, Kim, like macros should be a way to collapse time in my sense, or in my opinion. So we want to get the result as quickly as possible. When I say quickly, I don't mean like crash diet quickly, but right. like get in and out of the deficit as fast as you can. And mm-hmm. the more accurate you are, the faster you're going to be able to get out of it. So if you are lying mm-hmm. about what you're into or you're inputting or not inputting, you're only lying to yourself and making it more difficult for you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Katie, Katie, what are your thoughts on that? When I have clients first getting started or or showing any resistance, I always suggest, I know you said to start with protein. I say, start with your non-negotiable for the day. What is the one thing that you definitely want to have in your day? For me, when I first started tracking, it was chocolate. And as we all know, chocolate, high carb, high fat. Okay. So that, but that was a staple in my day. I knew I wanted it. I knew it made me feel good. The other great thing it did was it literally held this space, this this placeholder for fat and carbs that I could put anything else into. So if lunch came along and my kids really wanted Chick-fil-A, I had a choice. I could get the Chick-fil-A grilled nuggets on a salad with my own dressing, or I could get the fries and the regular nuggets and then not have my chocolate later in the night. And it really was empowering to know that I had this available to me regardless. And what was more important to me in that moment? Was it getting that particular meal? Was it the silly handful of goldfish? Was it cleaning the mac and cheese or pizza off their plates? Or was it what I had waiting for me later in the day? Um, Or or whatever, whenever during the day. So that was a really important piece of sort of understanding, yes, I can make this work anyway, and I don't have to be restricted. And then from there, I would build out the protein and the remaining carbs and fat, which wasn't hard for me after I had been like, okay, I can have... I can find a way to enjoy my other meals because I know I have this fun thing later. And then at the end of the day, to both of your points, I found that not only pre-logging added a lot of value for the next day, but it really helped me assess what went well today and what didn't. What did I love? Did I love that meal? I'm going to copy and paste that tomorrow. 
What did not make me feel so good? That's obviously out for the next day. How can I retool this? So it would allow me again to not only assess my day, but then sort of like reverse engineer tomorrow as to what, how I wanted it to look. How was I going to get there? What could I take with me from today? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a that's a really great strategy that you said about logging in your non-negotiable. I like that a lot. Um, and the idea of using nutritional compromises, like if I'm having the fries, I'm not having the chocolate and I get mm-hmm. to pick whatever I want. And, and really the self-talk there. around that is so important. So it's not like, oh, I can only have one, but I get to pick whatever I want. Do I want the fries today? Do I want the chocolate today? And you know what? Today I might want the chocolate, but next time I might want the fries. And, and I get that, like I get to have that. So it's a really- And knowing approach. that if I don't have one right now, I can have it again tomorrow. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly right. Katie, give us another common mistake. Let's go one more each person. Gosh, okay, so- I'm going to say with alcohol, this one is something I see all the time where we just find a random entry for rosé. And let's say the calories are right, but the macros are wrong. How, I'm sure we've all seen this where there's 120 calorie rosé and it shows four carbs. And we know that, sure, maybe it is just four carbs, but MyFitnessPal does not account for alcohol. It is a, it is a unique macronutrient. Your body processes it differently. It is worth seven calories per gram, but it is not trackable in MyFitnessPal. So in order to offset that little glitch, we need to track it with carbs and fat. And we choose those two macros because we never wanna compromise on protein. So it's important to either find an entry that accurately reflects the calories and associated macros with those calories, or just create our own. Understanding that you can use carbs, you can use fat, you can use a combination of the two, but they have to add up to the total calories in the beverage. So if it's a shot, call it 100 calories. If it's a four ounce pour of wine, I call it 120. Um, understand what that caloric value is of your beverage. If it's, if it's a margarita, it's probably like 400 calories. And then back it out and create an entry that is built back up through carbs and fat. Understanding that carbs are worth four calories per gram and fat is worth nine calories per gram. Does that make sense? I know it's a mouthful. And this is important for people who are tracking carbs and fats. If you're not yeah. tracking carbs and fats, you can just put it in for the hundred and whatever calories mm-hmm. and, and there you go. But yeah, if you're capping, tracking all the macros, that makes complete sense, Katie. Complete sense. Marcy, give us one more. Well, I've already touched on this a couple of times, but just to give it its own space, bites, looks, and tastes, that mm-hmm. is the, the sabotager of your progress for sure, because it can add up to hundreds of calories throughout the day that you are not accounting for. And sometimes it's for no faults of your own. We're just, you know, we're all busy. We're running a mile a minute. We're kind of on autopilot. So we don't take the time to slow down and be really mindful before we put something in our mouth. A lot of time it just happens out of habit, out of stress, whatever. And you may have all intents and purposes to say, oh, I'll remember to track that later. And you definitely don't. Food amnesia is a very real thing. Mm-hmm. So just being incredibly mindful of that. And if you say that you are being consistent, well, I'm tracking perfectly. I'm doing all the things that the ladies are telling me to do already. I'm hitting my, my numbers, but progress is still not happening. This is typically what I find to be the culprit for most people. And I'll even go back and ask, well, again, like, I know this all sounds neurotic to an extent. Um, and I try to, to not make it feel that way. Like, oh, you need to be weighing your coffee creamer, but something like that will be an extra, you know, like bite, look or taste that a lot of people just think isn't a big deal. And so they choose not to track it or like the sprays of olive oil or a pour of olive oil when they're cooking. It's like, just because something isn't part of a full meal, doesn't mean that it, it doesn't need to be tracked. You know, so just because you're not like chewing the olive oil that you're cooking with, <laughs> doesn't mean that it doesn't count. So all calories count, even if you don't count them, even if they are not a part of the meal, they're just a bite, liquor taste or a sip here and there, it all adds up. Yeah. And I'm going to stack on top of that one, going right along with that, with the licks, bites, and taste idea. One of the pieces of resistance that people have to counting calories, counting macros, is that it feels really hard. Like it's a lot of time in their mind, like this is going to be a lot of labor. And one of the mistakes people make is they just have a 
free number of eating incidences, which does make it feel like constant work. If you're constantly lip biting and tasting and you have to log that in the moment, which if you're going to do it, you absolutely should. I agree with Marcy, but you can make this a whole lot easier by limiting your eating incidences in a day, have distinct meals and distinct snacks. Doing that means you're doing like you're figuring out like, and hopefully you're doing it ahead of time with your pre-logging three to four times a day. Like you're not doing it eight, 10 times a day. Every time you take a little nibble or bite, it makes mm-hmm. it feel so much easier. So that- you have a plan too. It certainly helps when it's all in there for the day. It's so much easier to stay on track when you're like, huh, I got this coming up next. All good. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. And, and uh, I really quick to wrap it up before we wrap it up, not letting perfect be the enemy of good. So oftentimes what happens if someone cannot track perfectly, because let's say they're going out to dinner. And this is something that a lot of clients of mine freak out about Well, I'm going out to dinner. I don't know exactly what I'm going to be eating. And I walk them through that. I'm sure you guys do as well, but for someone who does not have a coach and you know, now that things are opening up, you're going to be more social. You're going to be going out to eat. You are trying to track. I say, just like do your best. So you know, maybe you, you account for 500 calories. I don't know. And I always tell them to add a little bit more than maybe they think it would be just to, mm-hmm. I don't know, account for user error, yeah. but just because you can't be perfect, doesn't mean that you should not track at all. Mm-hmm. Because if you just dig your head in the sand and, oh, well, I don't know exactly what it's going to be. So I may as well not track anything. Then the likelihood of you going way over is going to be much greater than if you had done your best to estimate, you're going to get way like closer to the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Totally ballpark. agree. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. Well, I hope that this has been helpful. If you have any questions about calorie tracking, macro tracking, you can reach out to any of us. Um, this is our jam. We know all about it. Thanks mm-hmm. so much for being here, ladies. Thanks. Catch Bye. You next time. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. If you liked this, if it was helpful for you, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review wherever you're listening. It really does help our work get in front of more people. Thanks so much for being here with you and we'll see you again next week.